Hello and welcome along to the Unplugged Pod, where each week we explore everything and anything to do with the wonderful world of switching off in a world that's always on. I'm David, a journalist, and as ever, I'm alongside Hector Hughes, Mr. Unplugged. And this week we've got on Jamie Clements. Jamie is a master breathwork facilitator running the breath space and also the founder of Man Down Podcast. He's a super thoughtful guy and we're very much looking forward to this conversation. Jamie, well, first of all, thanks, uh, thanks so much for coming on the pod, mate. Uh, very much appreciate it. I know as you're a man who's kind of centred a lot of your work around breath work, I hope you appreciate the, the oxygen coming out from all my, my massive plants, artificial or otherwise, I'll say. I'll let you guess in your own time. But yeah. <laughs> thanks for having me. Yeah, my, my flat is similarly plant heavy mostly artificial so uh, <laughs> I, yeah i can barely look after myself let alone a plant so um, yeah no it's it's great to be here the Thank idea of oxygen is probably enough sometimes exactly <laughs> uh, so jamie what do you do to unplug what do i do to unplug i was thinking about this on the way over here i think that there's a an obvious answer and then maybe a, a slightly um more interesting answer i think i am obviously a huge advocate of, of breath work and stillness meditation and everything it's centered in in that sphere and and that really is my go-to day-to-day moment to moment like whatever chances i get I'll, I'll always make time for some calm some quiet some deep breathing some slow breathing just to check out of what is you know we're we're in london now you know it's a frantic pace it's a it's a stressful environment it's a, a, a hectic environment and so just trying to rebalance that and give myself a time to to unplug and and to to check out of that a little bit um a less on brand answer i think would probably be listening to music and playing video games that is the other side of my my unplugging which is just i have a very busy brain um i'm a a calm person but i have a very busy brain anyway i think that's just how i'm wired and for me i I love a, a gentle distraction where my brain just just comes away from a thousand thoughts a minute and comes a little bit into something a little bit more um a little bit less serious a little bit more um light so that's yeah that's kind of the other side of it and then the one that i wish i had more time for is surfing i think that's probably number one if i could surf every day that would be my main unplug i really like the video games answer because i get such a bad rep these days i think you know so many so many negative connotations towards video games and like falling into some kind of you know young man incel community and that kind of thing but uh you know Combine that with the pan of chocolate you just mentioned. Yeah, uh, exactly. It's a, a nice full picture. Um, but it's funny, surfing is, is an amazing example because I've tried it a few times and I think even whether you're in a complete expert or total beginner, it is one of those things that fully takes you mm. out of yourself. It's the same with so many things in, in nature in general, right? But, but surfing is a massive one because you're just continually humbled by by what's around you and there really can only be one thing on your mind absolutely i think that i'm i always say to people i love surfing they're like oh you must be good i'm not good <laughs> i am not good at surfing i would say i'm a an advanced beginner like I, I can stand up on on sort of small to medium waves and get humbled on a regular basis and i love every minute of it you know it's frustrating it's painful it's liberating but it does that's it it's that like flow state completely out of your own head and that for me i think comes from a place of it's like that there's a great venn diagram that's like discipline and surrender and that gap in between is flow because you are completely separated from anything that's going on around you but you have to be so dialed in because the sea can 
just wipe you out and, and ultimately kill you if you're not careful. And so you have to be really, really laser focused, but also really, really relaxed. And so it's sort of in that beautiful intersection of the two where you're terrified, but liberated in, in the same way. I was going to say, this is the part where Hector, you normally say, have you read Flow by Chicks and Me? <laughs> <laughs> have you read it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good. But I, I love the idea of Flow because, I mean, you could talk a lot, I think, about the validity of it and mm. where it stands scientifically, right? But every, or a lot of people can, can point towards something that completely does take them out of it. And it's, it doesn't have to be something super profound. I remember, this, this is honest, like one of, the most, one of the moments of my life where I felt most in flow ever was I used to work, um, I used to work at ITN, right? Mm. And uh, it was, um, we worked on a lot of sport and there was a, there was a foosball table, table, football table in the, <laughs> in, in, the, in the office, right? And over the course that I worked there for years and years, we had like a, a big team. And over the course of a few years, we got good. Mm. And then we didn't just get good. We started to get really, really good because we were playing for maybe like an hour a day, right? For, for, for five years. Yeah. And towards the end, it suddenly, it suddenly dawned on me that when I was playing, there was absolutely nothing else in my mind, past or present. And I was genuinely like in a, in a point of flow. And I said this to a couple of people, expecting like a bit of a backlash or someone to take the piss. And mm. they were like, no, no, that 100%. It was euphoric. Yeah. It was crazy. And that's stupid, like, not stupid, but it's, it's something trivial. Yeah, it, it feels trivial, right? But I think so often, you know, as we get older and as we get a little bit more serious and a little bit more fatigued and a little bit more mature, we lose touch with seemingly trivial but ultimately playful aspects of our lives as well. And I think all of these things, or a lot of the things that bring people back to, to flow, are often in the realm of play as well. There's always a playful element because it's it's either you're learning something new or you're dialing back into, you know, that slight inner child and inner child stuff gets a little bit cliche at times as well. But that inner child, that, um, those parts of ourselves, you know, we get very restricted. I was thinking about this on the tube, looking at everybody um, commuting and just how, you know, the stress of life, getting all the responsibilities just like gradually just boxes us in and boxes us in and restricts us and restricts us. And I see it a lot in people that I work with in their breath get more restricted breathing you get a little bit tighter you get a little bit shallower and that perpetuates the cycle and actually all of these things flow you know play are loosening the shackles and almost re-expanding us from what is quite a narrow clamped down restricted way of living and it's quite it's also i feel like play doesn't get as much airtime as a lot of the other kind of well-being areas right like you know everyone needs to try meditation or whatever Mm. is obviously a big proponent of that but sometimes it is just playing a silly game, you know. And often it's like going back to what you really enjoyed as a child. Some people love painting, some people love card games, whatever it is. But there's something about rediscovering that that just completely takes you out of yourself. I think there's like a sneaky hidden agenda in a lot of personal development, which is, you know, we're all trying to be happier, healthier, more fulfilled. But the undercurrent is be more productive. Yeah. It's like yeah. meditate so your head is clearer, so you're more productive. Meditate so you're better at focusing, so you're more productive regulate your nervous system so you're more creative and more productive like it's all it's it can be unless you can check it and get it in check just funneling us back towards get more stuff done make more of your time and all of that which i think is something that i've had to be super aware of because i think even in the realm that i operate in in the world that i work in it's so easy just to almost you know fall back into patterns and trappings that I fell into in full-time employment and some of the reasons I actually left full-time employment and I think that is um, an interesting journey that I see people go on in self-development as well it's like okay 
I'm healing, I'm healing, I'm trying to feel better in myself, I'm trying to accept myself. And then quickly I'm back on the treadmill trying to achieve, achieve, achieve and, and hit goals and everything else. And so I think we just need to be careful and mindful of sort of the arena that we're playing in doesn't necessarily change. And so actually, how do we adapt to that and how do we fit into that as, our, as we try and progress and as we try and, you know, become better in ourselves? I think there's also just accepting that or just understanding that it is cyclical as well because mm. I've definitely gone through points of feeling like I've cracked it and I've figured mm. it out, you know, and then life comes along and, and knocks you down a few pegs. And uh, that can be really demoralizing. You think like, you know, why isn't it working anymore? But it's just understanding that there's a, there's a great book called Winter. I'll stop referencing it soon. But, <laughs> I'll start in a second. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. <laughs> uh, which is about, it's about this, it's about kind of going through grief mm. and, and suffering and um, going through a literal winter, but also about how we have these winters in our lives and actually in winter uh it's better not to fight it it's better to you know kind of curl up with a good book and a blanket etc and really just lean into it and i think a lot of the time especially in you know the, the kind of busy lives we live in in london uh you can really be like fighting life you know and fighting the stresses and all that kind of stuff and sometimes it, it is better to retreat absolutely yeah i saw i don't i always question these things when i see them on social media but i saw something to do with autumn and trees and how actually they're at their strongest and their roots are at their strongest during autumn and winter when actually from the outside looking in they look their weakest because they're resourcing and they're grounding and they're getting all of this nutrients ready for the spring um and it was just like okay like actually when you winter when you go inwards that's where you can do some of your best work because you're like, okay, this is where the hard stuff is. This is where I'll learn about myself. You know, um, we can all, you know, it's, it's easy to live a nice life when everything's ticking along. And then, as you said, you know, life happens and it's like, okay, how, I think a lot of this self-development stuff is what, and I sort of see this in myself very often. It's like, you can learn to talk the talk and continue to talk the talk and it all is a little bit almost at times theoretical and hypothetical i'm like i know how i would deal with that when it comes up because i know myself a little bit better and i understand the the book that i read and then it actually shows up in reality and all of a sudden you're like oh god like i know the theory but i'm not putting it into practice and i think that's where we have to again be mindful of reading the books listening to the podcasts, going over and over the same material because you've just got to live life and you've actually got to put stuff into practice. And I think we can often start lamenting ourselves a little bit when we have the knowledge and it's not being put into practice as well. We sort of have this middle ground where it's like, oh, I, sh I should be doing this better, um, but why am I not even with this new knowledge? So I think, yeah, we need to enjoy the winters and sort of embrace those moments of, of hardship, um, but also just of like learning and, and growth. Yeah, I always think it's... Um interesting Brian Holiday talks about there's no point reading like stoic philosophy unless you're going to put it into practice right it's there mm. to be used it's not about reading and finishing a um a book on stoicism it's about like having a going through a difficult day week month and reading about it and, and making it all actionable because I do think that especially like the wellness and optimization world you can get lost in so many rabbit holes and it kind of becomes this um bizarre caricature of itself sometimes where you spend your whole day optimizing rather than actually uh, um being productive um, just to scroll back slightly then, uh, Jamie, why don't you kind of tell everyone what you do and how your work centered around breath work and, and how you found yourself in this space? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I founded my business, The Breath Space, uh, coming up to four years ago. Um, and all of the work that I do is, is centered around breath work and um, the nervous system and the subconscious mind. And really, um, as it's developed, working with 
a really broad range of people. So I work privately, I work with groups, I run retreats, um, I work with athletes, I work with businesses, kind of anyone and everyone really. Um, the reason for that being people go, oh, it's a nice niche, you know, I work with everybody. <laughs> uh, and I go, yeah, it, in a way. Everyone's got to breathe. So. Yeah, exactly. I think that's it kind of slightly jokingly, you know, it is just breathing. And I think that's the beauty of, of why I love my work so much is because it can to some extent support everyone in some capacity. And so the way in which I work is really across three main pillars. So I look very much at functional breathing, which is respiratory physiology and respiratory health and looking at, okay, how can we breathe better just to feel better on a day-to-day basis? And then we start looking at the nervous system, nervous system regulation, and then some of the more therapeutic healing informed modalities of breath work, like conscious connected breathing. And across those, the real message is about optimizing, come back to that word, optimizing, um, <clears throat> optimizing your performance and your overall well-being through your nervous system and your subconscious mind. And really, the more I dive into this work, the more I'm erring towards the, the basics and actually looking at breath work and these other practices that we can use to support ourselves as a bit of an antidote to modern living and going, okay, modern life isn't getting any slower. So how can we amp up this side, the rest, the recovery, the stillness, the self-awareness to rebalance the scales? Because I think I see it myself, you know, to tell someone who is ambitious and driven, living in a city, wanting to grow, wanting to better themselves, wanting to be successful. I don't want to start saying to those people, well, if you want to feel better, you just got to stop all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Because they don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear that. And so how can we help those people, but also everybody rebalance the scales, take stock of where they're at, understand themselves better. Um, And the beauty of breathwork for me and the way in which I like to work is to empower people to understand and sort of employ tools and techniques to support themselves so that when I'm not there, they know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that's sort of where it's come from and, and how it's developed over the last few years. I also do other things, which I often forget about. (laughs) So uh, I'm part of a team that runs a a studio over in Fulham. Um, It's a movement space and then also a recovery space, which is heat, ice and sauna. Um, Heat, so sauna, ice and breathwork downstairs, um, which is a really amazing community. And I'm also a a podcaster as well. So I met Hector through my podcast many years ago. had a podcast um, focused around men's mental and emotional health. Um, That's still on Spotify, um, but I haven't recorded for two years. Um, and that's pretty much parked now, but I'm working on a new podcast at the moment with a friend of mine, um, again, on same sort of topic around men's health and mental and emotional health as well. Uh, when you say, when you say breath work, mm. I guess everyone has a different understanding of that mm. based on how much they know, or how much they care about their breathing. Right. So it's just on, on the most fundamental level for someone that's, doesn't have that much time to be reading, you know, books on breath work or, yeah. or you know, this kind of thing. What, what, how do you define breath work and why is it necessary? So umbrella term, um, any way we can use our breath to shift our state physically, mentally or emotionally. So that's the one liner. The unfortunate thing, and sometimes the fortunate thing about that is that it's very broad and very vague. And so what I would say to someone completely new who's going, what on earth are we talking about? How can you breathe more healthily day-to-day, moment-to-moment? You take 20-plus thousand breaths every single day. 
how can you make sure you're doing that in the best possible way to support your health nervous system work so simple breathing techniques one minute two minute five minutes ten minutes to shift your state to change how you feel could be reducing stress could be increasing energy just working with the nervous system by changing how you breathe and then there's a sort of third realm of breath work which is um what i work with conscious connected breath work which is um it can create altered states of consciousness transcendent experiences hypnotic trance-like states where we can access our subconscious mind so those are all quite different um which is why i think it's important to break it down but broadly speaking any way that we can work with our breath to to shift our state and just on that day-to-day i guess you know obviously a lot of people breathwork seems to be absolutely booming in popularity for good reason but a lot of people won't have got there yet and for you know for for someone who hasn't explored this space what is happening during the day to your breath when you're going through stress at work like what what are people doing now so we've, we've essentially got this um ongoing cycle between our breath and our nervous system so the state of your nervous system will change your breath the state of your breath will change your nervous system and every emotion every experience is tied to your nervous system and tied to your breath so the simplest way to think about this is that if you are stressed if you're afraid if you're anxious your breathing will shift typically to potentially in and out of the mouth instead of in and out of the nose but it will shift up into your chest so it'll be shorter shallower and faster now when it comes to our natural breath it's a bit of a virtuous or a vicious cycle depending on what's going on so it doesn't really matter whether it starts in your nervous system or starts with your breath a short shallow fast breath will create a stress response in your nervous system and a stress response in your nervous system will create that form of breath so it sort of perpetuates and that's why i think we're seeing more and more focus on it because we go okay well if that cycle is continuously going on I should probably do something about it. And one of the simplest and easiest ways into that cycle is through the breath. And so really the the unique thing about the breath is, and this is where we get a little bit into the science and the weeds of it, but it's part of something called the autonomic nervous system, which is um, part of our nervous system that broadly speaking has two branches. It has our sympathetic response, which is our stress response, and our parasympathetic response, which is our rest and digest response. Through the breath we can shift between those two branches. So the autonomic nervous system governs all of our automatic functioning in the body. So saliva production, uh, heart rate, digestion, uh, pupil dilation, and our breath, and a few others. The breath is the only part of that system that we can consciously change. And so through changing that, we can shift every other function within um, within that nervous system and shift either into stress, which there could be good reasons for, or out of stress. And so we can almost use it like a, an accelerator or a brake pedal for the nervous system to create change. Um, so that's really the underlying mechanism. And for a lot of people who are experiencing high stress, you know, we think about people who, who find themselves feeling very stressed or very anxious. There's typically an associated breathing pattern with that. And so if you are not paying any attention to how you're breathing and you just, even when you're not stressed, you're breathing short, shallow, fast, you're going to be creating stress. And so it's just perpetuating this cycle. Um, And so we need to find a way to interrupt that, to change that and to shift that. And the starting point for that is just bringing awareness to the breath and then starting to to change things once we understand that. And what does that process look like? So I guess it's it's kind of like what we're saying about meditation earlier, which is it's easy when you're sitting in the studio Mm. with the 
Zen music in the background, but it's tough when you're standing up there in front of all the people about to give the, the talk. So what have you found really works, I guess, with people you work with and w- how do you see that? Yeah, I think um, I would say, as you've alluded to there, the, the real gold in this work is your ability to apply in situations that are uncomfortable, that are stressful. You can sit at home and breathe nice and slowly and deeply and sort of be at peace. Yeah, and, which is also great. But really yeah, great. Yeah, sure. wonderful part of this because actually I always say, when and this probably more directly answers your question almost a two-pronged approach so if you're operating day-to-day kind of ticking at quite a high level of stress um then we need to take a, both a proactive and a reactive um re- sort of uh, approach the proactive would be 10 minutes in the morning 10 minutes in the evening regardless of how you feel slowing the breath down working with maybe a, an extended exhale breath where we make simply the exhale longer than the inhale could be three seconds in six seconds out um, gradually making that longer and slower um, typically we want to focus on breathing through the nose particularly on the inhale so it could be in through the nose out of the nose in through the nose out of the mouth um, popular exercises that seem to be getting more and more awareness like box breathing which is inhale hold exhale hold um usually starting with a four second count per part um and that proactive element is about if you're operating from that high level of stress naturally bringing your nervous system back down overall from maybe a seven out of ten to a five out of ten where you're a little bit more balanced and a little bit less reactive so that would be a foundational piece to say, okay, if you're, you know, I work unsurprisingly with a lot of people who struggle with chronic stress, anxiety, burnout. That's always where we start. It's like, okay, daily practice, consistent practice, which we can come on to as to why people struggle with that. Um, And then the reactive part would be in the moment. Okay, I'm about to go out on stage and speak. I'm about to uh, go into a meeting. I'm having an uncomfortable conversation with a friend or a partner or whatever it might be. And your heart rate naturally starts to spike. Your nervous system naturally starts to elevate. Um, Similar techniques in the moment. We want to actually interrupt that stress response and bring us back down again. Um, And I think there's a lot of well-intentioned advice on social media in general, but particularly around breath work, um, where they say, you know, if you're having a panic attack, just breathe in for 10 seconds and out for 10 seconds. And as someone who's had plenty of panic attacks in my life, that's well-intentioned but very unhelpful because you can't breathe for that that tempo when you're in high stress and high panic um and so something if anyone does experience panic attacks that's listening something like um ratio breathing where it's just a balanced inhale to exhale ratio but you start with two seconds in two seconds out three seconds in three seconds out and you gradually slow the breath down and that i guess those two sides to me really illustrate the power of breath work because a conversation that often comes up and a question I'm often asked is, you know, breath work or meditation, what's better? What should I be doing? I think they're pretty distinct. I actually think they have a, there's a big chunk in the middle of crossover, but I actually think there's quite distinct reasons why I would suggest one or the other. Um, for me, breath work is very much a direct intervention into your stress response in this case that with what we're talking about. Um, and a direct intervention into your nervous system to create change rather than meditation that is a little bit more exploratory, um, a little bit more passive as a practice. Um, 
and for me serves a different purpose um, but typically we just want to focus on everyone could do with breathing slower breathing more deeply breathing more fully um, and breathing through the nose more you mentioned there obviously panic attacks yourself and uh your podcast for anyone who hasn't listened is fantastic don't don't uh, judge it by the fact that i was on there there were lots <laughs> of far better guests but uh that, that's all about vulnerability i know you've you've spoken very openly about this before um but i guess what what got you to breath in the first mm. place yeah panic attacks probably um so i just crossed my arms because it's <laughs> <laughs> a defensive position um very yeah. so <laughs> i um never know how far to start back with this question but throughout my late teens and, and early 20s I, I struggled with my mental health i had um challenges with primarily anxiety um, then in, that was sort of late teens and then into my early 20s started having panic attacks and I would say depression like symptoms as a result of the intensity of the anxiety I was just overwhelmed by how anxious I was and it started interrupting and impacting my life um, in quite significant ways and yeah in my, I was 23 24 and I started um having daily panic attacks I was working I started having panic attacks at work I was just really getting to a point where I it became unmanageable and a lot uh, harder to hide I think that was part of it as well and I hit a particular rock bottom and a bit of a perfect storm that I've spoken a bit about in the past where I, I got let go from that job um, a little bit unceremoniously um, and under strange circumstances and I lost a friend to suicide in the space of about three months and I was in the worst place I'd ever been mentally and emotionally and um, started going to therapy, started opening myself up to the idea of support and started getting back into, you know, we talked about connecting back to things that we did when we were younger, started getting back into exercise in a way that I hadn't done for a very long time, meditation, yoga, all sorts of stuff um, and I was practicing at a studio near where I lived at the time and the head trainer there said oh why don't you stick around for breath work after this I was like no <laughs> uh, <laughs> never heard of it not interested understandable response as well absolutely I hear it all the time you know I, I, I can I, breathe mate don't worry yeah, about it yeah. that's, the, that's the classic I, I've got to maybe we'll come back to that <laughs> got to a venue in Bristol for an event earlier in the year and the security guy was like what are you guys here for like, breath work he was like I love breath work. And he was like in his 60s. So I was like, really? He was like, yeah, done it my whole life. Like, oh, he's done me there. <laughs> um, Tell me about your experience. Yeah, oh my God, that's amazing. Uh, absolutely done me. Um, and it, it took a little bit of time and a, a bit of gentle pushing. And I think my own, I started just to open up to more things generally and go, oh, there's maybe a bit more to it than my closed mind. Um, might think and then I, I started practicing there and um just went down the rabbit hole and and got so much from it in the first probably six to 12 months that I saw my life really turn around in quite a big way um and in some really kind of subtle personal ways as well um and that was a combination and it, it's really informed the way that I teach now because that was a combination of all of those three parts that I've mentioned in terms of what breathwork is as well so the sort of day-to-day -day aspects the nervous system aspects but also those deeper sort of more transcendent transformative experiences as well all led to I guess a, 
a different experience of life for me um, and me moving through that and, and something that I felt like I wanted to be able to share with other people. Do you think, um, obviously, like your story and how you got into it came from sort of a set of um, circumstances and events that happens that, that kind of led you into it. Do you think, like, do you think everyone can benefit from breath work? I mean, just going back to what that guy mm. said to you, obviously, it's a glib, like, funny response. But do you think your average working mum, uh, you know, or someone like that, do you think everyone can benefit from it? Or do you think it's a... How, how do you think it works across the board like that? I, I think... Um there'll be people unsurprised at my answer the simple answer is yes um and not just because this is what i do for work I think that's <laughs> important to note here whether people want to believe that or not around it's probably why it's what you do for work. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah <laughs> exactly um the reason for that being is um i don't want to go off on a tangent about the diary of a ceo podcast but um Stephen obviously has guests on there who like throwing out pretty wild facts and stats and research and um he had james nestor on who wrote a brilliant book called breath on i think it's the lost art and science of breathing or something like that is the subheading amazing book probably the most recommended book that i've given to people on breathing and and breath work um very very well written in that book and on the podcast and the kind of the trailer for the podcast that got published with with diarrhea ceo was saying 99 percent of us have dysfunctional breathing patterns all of us are breathing wrong we're all going to die um and <laughs> yeah and i would love to be able to sit here and go yeah he's absolutely right 99 percent of people absolutely and i was chatting to some of my friends in the field um people who are much more into you know i'm into the science but people who have been in the science and, and sort of respiratory physiologists and people way down that end of the breathwork spectrum and um we were like what, what actually are the stats like can we figure this out and a stat that got given to me by a, a colleague of mine was was 35 percent of people worldwide have diagnosable dysfunctional breathing and dysfunctional breathing is just breathing in a way that is clearly non-optimal clearly harmful for well-being um however probably what james nestor is getting at to give him sort of cut him some slack is that the other 65% of us, or maybe 60 of that 65%, could be breathing better, especially in the Western world. Indigenous cultures seem to have a natural ability to breathe well without needing to be told. You know, there's not breathwork coaches in, well, there's Western white breathwork coaches in Central America, but not in the indigenous <laughs> cultures. And this is really where it comes back to this term optimization. It's like, you know, our, as a, a group of three, our postures aren't terribly off, but we could probably have better posture and we probably feel better for it. Our breathing might not be terribly off, but we could be breathing better and we could feel better for it. And that for me is why I've, to long answer to a simple question, why I feel like everyone stands to benefit from this, especially in the way that life is set up now. Very high pace, very high stress. Um, and breath work is so on the face of it simple and so so accessible that if we could all spend literally if everyone could spend 10 minutes a day doing some slow box breathing or something similar i genuinely believe that everyone would start feeling significantly better if they kept that up for a month or two and then onwards beyond that um just from the levels of stress overall health overall well-being um so yeah, I, I do really, really genuinely believe um, that we could 
in one form or another all benefit from breathing better and, and breath work in general the great thing about it is you can literally try it in 10 seconds yeah. and feel better you know yeah i i slightly um I don't know why it came as such a surprise to me. It's probably because I'd never kind of explored it before, but I got very kindly given a whoop because I did an event with them. And after I got back from that event, I, um, I was pretty, you know, I was pretty wired. I really enjoyed it. I was buzzing and I just got off the tube and my, I, was, I could feel my heart rate going. I was like, okay, God, I'm, I'm a bit, bit jacked up here. Um, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to, get all gung-ho with my whoop and, and record my heart rate live while I sit on the sofa and do one minute of extended exhale breathing and just see. And I might be really underwhelmed and never tell anyone about it because it might only drop by three beats per minute or something. And I'll be like, oh, maybe breathwork doesn't work after all. <laughs> and I shocked myself. And this isn't because <clears throat> I do this for a living. I think this is genuinely just because of the physiology of breath. But my heart rate when I sat down was at 98 beats per minute. One minute later, having done probably five rounds of breathing in for four and out for eight was at 57 like it had dropped like that in 60 seconds and i was like huh maybe this works after all and it was just like this it was a slap around the face and just a reminder of just how effective this is but also that we don't need to overcomplicate it i think as you said hector like anyone can try it if you actually give it the time of day you will feel and see the benefits I guess on the other end of the spectrum, you also run uh, breath retreats. Yeah. What, that, that can, I imagine, be an incredibly profound experience. Like, what, do you, what do you see at those retreats? I, I teared up on a podcast the other day because I'm awful at reflecting, awful at looking back and, and looking at, at things that have happened. And um, I got asked a, a really poignant question just about retreats and started reflecting on that. And, and I, I said to myself, I was like, I think I'll look back when I'm much older and be like, Jesus Christ, that was amazing that I was able to facilitate that for people. And then I was like, why can't I do that now? And so I was just like, okay, let's take <laughs> stock of this. And so on, on my retreats, they're sort of morphing and changing all the time, but I'll take my most recent one, which was, um, seven days out in Portugal in August and they're all centered around conscious connected breathing which is this sort of deeper healing modality of breath work that I've mentioned a couple of times and this form of breath work really allows us to get out of our heads into our bodies and into our subconscious mind and really break past any protective layers and mechanisms that we've built up over our lives that have kept us safe from potentially kind of uncomfortable or difficult material that lives in the subconscious to be reprocessed in a safe way um that's probably the best way i can describe the process and we have a session like that every single day and then it's i guess uh encased and enclosed by complementary practices so movement yoga journaling meditation downtime um lots of sharing circles so lots of time together speaking about experiences during the breath work speaking about life experiences um and then in portugal we started integrating things like anger workshops um what else did we do um some kundalini work some movement work and the it's it's hard to put into words you know what you see in people um but there was someone who came on my first ever retreat who came on this retreat about almost exactly 12 months apart 
and he is just an embodiment of the change that can happen in these spaces and i feel really fortunate to be able to to create that kind of space for people but really it's uh it can be quite a confronting and uncomfortable week for people i usually like i felt it this on this retreat in particular the the mid the wednesday of the, the midweek most people were ready to leave and we were going till saturday <laughs> i was ready to leave really? i think everyone was just like geez like this this is brewing because it's just like you're dredging up things you're you're shaking that jar of muddy water to to really explore who are you what's led you here what's blocking you where are you getting in your own way and how can you get out of your own way and if you're not prepared to ask those questions that's uncomfortable even if you are prepared to ask those questions that's uncomfortable and it's like deep dark dirty scrubbing beneath the surface um but there's always a lightness and a freedom and a liberation that comes out the other side of that it's a deep exercise in self-awareness and introspection um and if you can sit with some of that discomfort um, and explore some of those parts of yourself that you have locked away um then that to me is is kind i, I don't like the word healing as much as i used to because i think it carries with it a bit of whatever stigma um and cliche but that's to me what healing is is actually reintegrating parts of ourselves that we've lost touch with and rejected and and pushed away um and i think in order to do that we have to dig back into the depths of the discomfort um and the stuff that maybe we've ignored over the over the years um and breathwork is a very powerful i guess vehicle with which to do that um and then everything else really is there to help hold it together um, and help people process and integrate the things that do show up it's crazy as well you said was it was it 20,000 breaths a day yeah so there's mm. nothing you do more than, than, than breathe I suppose and I actually have the, the whoop as well I've kind of fallen out of love with it to be honest because yeah. uh, it's just another thing to, to look at on the phone but uh, one thing I didn't know and I don't why would you know this is how many times you breathe per minute mm. so it says like I'm like 16 or something but it should be way less right in an optimal if everything was optimal you should be breathing like, is this like six or seven breaths a minute, something like that? Or do you think that's just a... It'll, it'll fluctuate over the course of the day anyway. So to come back to what we were saying about the nervous system, you know, your breathing will come up and down depending on where your level of activation is over the course of the day. We'll all probably here be at the upper end of the teens because we're chatting and we're active and we're, we're kind of focused. At rest, you want to sit, or the average sits somewhere between 12 and 20 so that's the general average spectrum you'd like to think that at rest most people would be sitting 10 to 12 would be i would say a nice place to be very seasoned practitioners monks they've seen monks in deep meditation get down to one to two breaths per minute um almost to the point where they're not breathing um and it's just it's a really nice measure of where you're at not necessarily to compare to the monks or to compare to the seasoned practitioners, but to say, okay, if the whoop's telling me 16, if I can go into a practice and get myself to six or seven, my body and my mind will respond to that in a positive way to calm me down and to find a little bit more space and a little bit more stillness. And then a lot of the stuff that we've talked around about optimizing how you breathe day to day will naturally bring that down. And so, you know, 
I also get a little bit tired of, of wearables as well. But I think the data can be helpful to see those trends as long as we're not then stressing about the trends. Um, but yeah, the lower the better is typically what we're, what we're saying here and what we're talking about, but it will naturally fluctuate through the day as well. And what, sorry, yeah, in, in terms of the podcast, I mean, you did three, three or four seasons of that. I mean, what you obviously went into that with, with the personal experiences you spoke about earlier, but what, you know, what surprised you? What did you learn? Because I mean, you, you, you really had some very vulnerable conversations. Yeah, um, I look back on that as, as one of my, probably one of my greatest teachers in terms of the lessons I learned for myself. I think I underestimated or misunderstood at the time how much it how much of a therapeutic process it was for me and how little I knew when I started out I think I went into it going I'm ready for this and you know are we ever ready for anything but um even listening back now um I wouldn't necessarily I, I'm, I'm a different person and uh, like my views I'm not a different person my views have, have transformed and changed over time as well um, and I can hear the learning sort of through the conversations I think some of the biggest learnings and takeaways for me were um, I think we often hear you know men need to talk more men need to be having these conversations more and I think I was surprised at just how many men were having these conversations or were certainly willing to have these conversations but probably my biggest takeaway personally about myself and about the people I spoke to was just how lacking in um modeling we were for emotional conversations emotional language um and how much better we need to do for everyone and men going forward is actually how can we teach men to accept themselves as they are but also learn to do better and have more skills learn the skills that it takes to have open vulnerable conversations and do so in a way that doesn't leave them feeling and again it's a word that carries sort of a loaded word but doesn't leave them feeling weak it doesn't leave them feeling emasculated it doesn't leave them and that's kind of a collective thing that we need to work on is actually one thing I got interviewed about this quite recently and they're like, what, what, what have your views changed around men's mental health? And I think for me, I um, did a bit of a job of throwing the baby out with the bathwater with, with masculinity. I was like, well, there's a lot of things about it. I don't like a lot of things I can see that harmed me in my upbringing. Um, so let's get rid of it, all of it. Let's get rid of any kind of notion of, of traditional um, masculinity and let's re start from scratch. And actually, I think there's nothing wrong with a large majority of what we might call traditional masculinity. It's just there are holes, as with everything. There are, are blind spots, there are weak spots, and there are things that we need to do better. And it's just, I guess, the original message behind the podcast was that vulnerability and strength not only can coexist, but necessitate one another. You know, vulnerability is strength, and strength comes through vulnerability. It's amazing how people reciprocate vulnerability. So, I mean, I started seeing a psychosexual therapist who I heard on your podcast. Yes, she's brilliant. <laughs> uh, and that was a you know something I'd been. I think relationships had already been a challenge for me up until that point, and then just going through that process of you know being able to understand myself better there, and then share it afterwards. Uh, which, which I have done since on various podcasts like that. It's just amazing how people reciprocate. You know, there are people who 
for years my conversations with them have been very like not open and then you mention this one thing and people have all these stories to share and you really get a kind of deep uh deep look into someone so i think it you know it's one of those where just by being vulnerable you, you you'd be amazed what what you can open up which i think your, your podcast was testament to thank you yeah i think you're spot on uh, i've noticed it as well in my friends i think um, people i've known for 20 plus years and you know we're at the pub the, the traditional arena for a couple, <laughs> couple of pints in a deep conversation and you're having these these really just never been had before conversations with these people that I've known for for such a long time and it does come from that place of, of I, I believe we all want to have these conversations but we're all waiting for someone else to speak first and it just takes not even courage you know some people might say courage but I just think a willing and a level of self-awareness to be able to have that conversation or at least open that conversation um in a way that isn't saying you know I know right and and you're wrong but just say okay this is this is where I'm at like this is my experience what's your experience and then it just creates such a an amazing container for connection and and to come back to the retreats that's such a big part of probably the most impactful part of the retreats is the sharing circles and the conversations because it's this you go from 15 strangers to um people who are closer to these people after a week than they are some of their closest friends because they've been allowed to have conversations that they've wanted to have for a very long time but haven't known how to and i think we all i view it as a a good thing and a bad thing a bit of a shame ultimately that we have to create spaces for us to have those conversations so i'm like why are we not having those anyway or why is it hard for us to have those um taxi drivers are always my uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i'm not sitting around in a circle of 15 but it's incredible what you'll tell a taxi driver as opposed to like, <laughs> members mm-hmm. of your friends and families i don't know where that comes from but yeah i think there's a i think there's a solace in strangers yeah. i do like yeah. i um podcast as a guest on podcasts i always find myself you know divulging more easily um but i think it's it's about creating and maybe this is it's nothing to do with podcasts it's to do with the structure the format and the structure which is actually intentionally creating space for a conversation rather than round a golf and a half chat about how how's your family how's how's the missus you know how's work it's actually going okay we're we're here to talk about bigger questions and actually just sit here and make eye contact and have a conversation um and i think that's somewhat lacking and something that we think we take for granted we're like oh well i'm mates with that person so that'll just happen and if that does happen for you then that's great and it's a, a, a real sign of positivity around your friendships but actually i think for a lot of us with family with friends with even our partners there needs to be a step of intentionality if you want depth create space for it and create a way for that to to happen because it's not just going to happen by accident yeah there's, there's something very british about it isn't <laughs> it about the kind of dancing around anything but the, the the one thing that matters yeah but yeah i think it's when when you when you do get stuff off your chest or have a really you know actually deep conversation with someone you you realize just how much we carry around that all day you know like you spoke earlier about locking stuff up we all have so much locked up and obviously mm. you know a lot of the work you do and you know uh meditation everything else helps people slowly take down these barriers but i think most of us are just kind of soldiering on with all the traumas all the worries all the concerns and actually every little piece of that that you can 
share and offload and you know take off your plate you feel a little bit lighter so it's it's definitely a amazing thing to do yeah oh, i think as well like you don't want to be seen to be like whining mm. <laughs> but like do you know what i mean because that is annoying yeah like if if someone but if you meet someone straight away and you haven't seen them for a while and they're like oh my boss and they start complaining and whining you're just like i didn't ask for that mm. do you, like do you know what i mean like of course I'll listen to like really good friends and family and, and, and stuff and, and people that want to open up but I'm just constantly I don't like it when people like complain or are negative about trivial stuff or even like medium sized stuff so I, I just always catch myself and do it I'm like no one wants to whine or complain there, or anything like that. there's almost something about it and I, I also don't like it and also can't put my finger on what exactly it is but there's something about it where it is a bit superficial in a way and it doesn't get to the like the how are you really you know mm. it's like the here's everything that was wrong today but it's not the like yeah, okay. inside yeah. like what's really going on with you it's it's the second layer right because it's like this person said this to me and it made me feel like this the the real question there is without and and this is where i think people can get a bit sick of this kind of chat in a way and i'm i'm very aware <laughs> of that but it's like the real question there is you know, what wound are they prodding? Yeah. What is it that's made you, f- yeah, they've yeah. made you feel a way, but actually what's that highlighted in you that you're now feeling about yourself? Have they made you feel like you're not good enough? Have they made you feel like you're rejected? Like what is the underlying feeling and how is that playing out for you? Because I think you're right. Like we hear, you know, the the top level, high level, you know, complaints about the day, complaints about person at work, complaints about the tube. Like, But it's like, well, what's what's the next layer beneath that? And I think one thing that I've seen and probably a development since I first had the podcast is I think let's take men as the example, right? It's like the narrative is we've been unable to talk about our emotions. There's not been space for it. We don't know how to do it. We're very closed off. And when we start unpacking that and healing that, it's like this pendulum. and We go from one end to the other. We go, okay, well, we're just going to share everything you've told us to talk about our emotions so now we're talking about our emotions whether you like it or not and we're just dumping dumping dumping. exactly it's like but this is where it's a skill and like a a balancing act because actually it's emotional vulnerability and openness but what we're actually seeking in everybody is emotional regulation is going okay i'm not just saying offload all your problems all the time because actually we need to have some level of productivity to life and to looking forward and to carrying on because you can't just mope because that it's not good for anybody it's not good for your, yourself it's not good for people around you so how can you you know I, I always relationships are the easiest container for this right and it's going okay i know and i don't i say i don't always get this right i'd probably go as far as to say i probably get this right 50 percent of the time if i'm <laughs> lucky um with my girlfriend i was like the thing for me i might be feeling something really uncomfortable really heavy um anxious whatever it might be and rather than going i need to talk to you about this now sit down it's going it's actually going there's something that i'm feeling quite uncomfortable about right now um do you have capacity to have a conversation about this and that actually gives someone the space and it takes regulation in return because as a partner you might just go yeah of course what's wrong even if you're not sure if you can hold that kind of conversation right now and actually but it does give that person the responsibility and the opportunity to say i am really busy i've got loads on my plate i'm actually feeling a bit knackered myself i'd love to come back to this later on today when i do feel like i've got a bit more space for that and i think that's the missing piece in a lot of life is actually don't just offload and dump everything that's inside your head like learn to communicate effectively so it's like don't just keep it to yourself and lock it all away don't just offload it find a middle ground where it's saying 
can I, and it, there's another part to this conversation, I guess, which is what of this can I self-regulate? What of this can I unpack and sort of look into myself and say, okay, that was really uncomfortable, but I've sat with it for half an hour and actually I don't need to talk about it anymore. I've journaled about it or I've meditated or I've just let it go or I've spoken to a friend about it, whatever it might be. Maybe you get half an hour later and you go, yeah, this hasn't gone away. I really feel like this is something I need to talk about. Then can I approach, in this example, my partner and say, I'd like to talk to you about something. When's a good time for you? Or when when do you feel like you have capacity for that? I think that can apply to friendships, to work, to whatever it might be actually going. This idea of self-regulation and co-regulation, it's like, what can I hold on my own without repressing it, without pushing it down, without locking it away and ignoring it? Um, But also what can go into conversation with somebody else and in what form like how do I actually taking time to not just be reactive in what you're sharing and and shoving it down people's throats actually going what needs to be shared and how do I want to share it can I come to this conversation in a productive way for me and for the other person um and I yeah so I think there's some emotional regulation skills and communication skills that as a collective we can all do a little bit better on just just finally just um kind of circling back to to breath work and uh, and your work what, what do you think the future is for for breath work obviously there's a massive appetite for everything to do with health and wellness breathing something that bar something extraordinary we're going to be doing as humans for the next you know as long as we're on the planet mm. so uh yeah do, do you think it becomes more popular do you think it just becomes something that maybe the majority of the population are taught at a younger age and master and then they take that forward into adulthood or how do you think it goes it's going to be interesting. I think it, we're probably getting, I think, say if there's a bubble, we're probably at 70% capacity of the bubble. Um, it, it's really exponential at the moment in terms of the interest, in terms of practitioners coming into the space, everyone's excitement around it. Um, I would love, I think, probably one of the, the most fundamental pieces of the future of this, if it goes in the right direction, um, would be schools, young people, getting things that we all know need to be in schools into schools emotional regulation stress management breathing better feeling better all of that stuff that creates happy healthy people um that's i guess piece one i think for for the broader population that would be an amazing thing but i think for in the shorter term while we're um working away on that side of things i think there will come a point where most people become aware of the the link between breath and emotion, breath and stress and go, okay, I get the basics. And it sort of harps back to what we were told as kids, you know, if you're feeling a bit panicky, take yeah. a deep breath. Like that's been around for eons, but no one knew why. No one was doing it quite right. We all were slightly off the mark. And so it's actually like, okay, give your kids, you know, my partner's daughter came home from school the other day um she's just turned six and she came home with some coloring to do and up the top it said rainbow breathing and they had to color in the rainbow and in breathe in on the way around and breathe out the other way around and so it's starting to get there and i was like my my girlfriend sent me a picture of it i was like it's beginning. And so that's where we start to see real progress i think is actually if you get a, a, a way a generation where they know that if they're feeling a bit wound up and a bit frustrated they just need to take a few deep breaths and, and know how to do it 
then that to me is is a big shift um but i do think you know this stuff in all its forms has probably been around in the western world since the 60s um on on mass and so i don't see it going anywhere anytime soon and i think the deeper end like the retreats and the altered states of consciousness that to me is always going to be of interest to people because there's always stuff to uncover and learn about yourself and and to go inwards and and things like that so i think we might get to a base level of understanding on how to breathe well to to be healthy and to to feel less stressed um and then there'll be other avenues and you know new things are always popping up so i think it's going to be an interesting certainly an interesting few years as things continue to ramp up but then i do think we'll see a bit of a leveling out and and a bit more of a just an acceptance on mass that we know that this is helpful you guys don't need to keep harping on about how helpful it is we get it now so let's just do it um and i think that would be a really good place to get to as well i don't know i feel so calm after listening to your voice for 45 minutes so it's a podcast voice for sure <laughs> <laughs> right well yeah there we Spot are on. just shy of an hour so thanks a lot jamie and uh, yeah just let, let everyone know where they can find you where the best place is and, and the kind of services you offer absolutely well for for as long as instagram exists you can find me on instagram <laughs> at the underscore breath underscore space um the breath space.co.uk uh youtube i've got some stuff on insight timer as well um the podcast was called man down the new one will be called the boys toilets and that's pretty much it and maybe yeah. some cds and unplugged cabins yes <laughs> <laughs> great stuff and Jamie's website is beautiful so yeah, check yeah, it out yeah, yeah. well done great stuff awesome great stuff